Hey, what's up, guys? This is the Hog Pit Podcast. This is episode two of the Hog Pit. Uh, we just want to say thanks for joining us for episode two. We've got Adam here with me. Say what's up, Adam. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Um, episode one was a huge success. Uh, so thanks so much for listening to episode one. We had 130 listeners to episode one. Um, we had so much listen, so many listeners. We had listeners in, gosh, so many states. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different states. And what states were those? It was, of course, Arkansas. 53% of our listeners were from Arkansas. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Michigan, California, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Georgia. So we're, we're coast to coast, right? There, coast huh? to coast. Um, shocking, only 53% of our listeners were from Arkansas for a Razorback podcast. So thanks so much, guys, for that. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of want to reiterate what we're all about here at the Hog Pit, the Hog Pit podcast. Um, we just, we're just different, honestly. Um, we're, we're stats driven. We're information driven. We're not just going to lollygag around and talk about, you know, surface-based uh, information, not going to just cover the highlights of the last game. We're going to dig into the details and give the fans what they want to hear. This is a podcast for the fans, by the fans. So we're, we're going to dig in deep. We're going to do research. We're going to actually do research and give you guys things that you're not going to hear uh, on other other media you know what am i trying to say other media media members you know local radio hosts yeah just people in the media in general yeah for sure in fact um uh i want to vent a little bit i was I, I work i live in fayetteville and i work in bentonville i have a day job this we don't get paid for this <laughs> so i was i was driving home from work from bentonville and I was listening to a local sports radio show, and uh, I usually don't listen to this particular radio show because I don't like it, but I thought I'd give it a shot. And the entire 35 to 40 minute drive home, they never talked sports the entire time. And it drove me insane, but for whatever reason, I punished myself and listened to it the entire time home and they actually talked about their go-to mood music and i don't know why there's plenty of stuff to talk about right now you're gonna learn that in a second we've got six different topics on our board right now that we're going to talk about and that's i don't i don't know why they're talking about mood music on the you know the rush hour traffic when they're peak audiences tuned in so i don't understand it yeah i mean there's not you know all kinds of sports going on right now there's not baseball starting or yeah. right in the middle of men's and women's basketball softball starting women's gymnastics a brand new football coaching staff right. with dishing out offers every single day it seems like you know well over 100 offers of the 2021 class there's plenty to talk about so i don't really understand that either at all yeah, to me that just shows laziness that just shows that you don't want to do the work. You don't want to put in the work to find things to talk about. And if you don't want to do that, if you want to, you know, find things to talk about, 
do it during the dead periods when you're when you don't have your peak audience listening at 5 30 5 15 you know you know what i'm saying so anyway um we're so glad you're here so glad you're listening um this is episode two like we mentioned we've got a lot of stuff to talk about we're going to hit on uh the razorbacks literally just finished playing the, the uh, razorback basketball and we freaking won we beat mizzou isn't it nice to say that oh man the streak is over the losing streak is over um the skid is over we lost five in a row um we won at home we beat that team up north oh man and it feels so good can i get an amen amen man i'm so tired of losing to missouri in sports oh man missouri is one of the teams in the sec on either the east side or the west side that we should never lose to and you can make the argument that we should not lose to them in any sport i would say if there's one team if you had to pick one team in the entire sec that we should beat anytime if there's one team that you said you need to beat this team if you don't beat anyone else in the sec you need to beat this team is it missouri i think it's definitely missouri because you know your mind also drifts to vanderbilt because they're not good in football and they're yeah. not good in basketball right now at all either. In fact, they're in last place in the SEC in basketball I think right now. Win- oh, they right. won. They beat LSU, which is weird because at the time, and- LSU was at the top of the SEC. Yeah, I think Vandy's sitting uh, at 1-14 and 14 right yeah. now in the SEC. But then again, their baseball team's awesome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they just won a national championship last year in baseball. Yeah. So that makes you, you – either your mind thinks Vanderbilt because of football, I think. But if you really dig into it, Missouri's not really good at anything. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of good years recently in football, but they're not really good in baseball. They're not really good in the women's sports. They're not really good in basketball. And I don't see them really getting any better than they've been in football. They had a short time where they were good in basketball with Mike Anderson. They were Elite Eight, I think. But that's been how long ago now? I mean, it was, it was before we got Mike Anderson. So, I mean, this would have been pre-2010, yeah. probably, eight, around 2010. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, we're going to, we're going to cover some basketball. Let's just go through what we're going to talk about real quick. We're going to cover the Razorbacks, uh, win over Mizzou. We're going to talk about women's sports. You're not going to hear that on any other platform on any local radio, local podcast. We're going to cover uh, women's base on not women's baseball. Women don't play baseball here. Uh, we're going to cover women's gymnastics. We're going to cover women's, uh, basketball and we're going to cover women's softball. Then we're going to move into baseball. Uh, baseball is playing right now. They're playing Gonzaga. And then we're going to talk football. We're going to cover recruiting. Um, and then we're going to cover some Twitter questions. Uh, we welcome any and all questions on Twitter. And you can actually go to our podcast, go to our anchor page, and you can leave us a voicemail, which is pretty interesting. You can get your phone and you can, just like you're calling us, you can click leave a voicemail can leave us an actual voicemail and we can play it like kind of on the air. Like it's not live, but like right now, as we're talking, we can play it and it'll show up or whatever happens. It'll be played during our podcast and we can answer it on the spot, which is pretty cool. So do it and leave us a question on Twitter. Leave us a voicemail on the podcast on anchor and we'll answer it and you can join the conversation. So let's dive into basketball. Um, the Razorbacks beat Mizzou, like we were mentioning. 
Um, Isaiah Joe's back. Man, Isaiah Joe's back. Hallelujah. It doesn't feel good to say oh, that. Oh, man. Isaiah Joe, ladies and gentlemen. He led the team in, in scoring. He had 21 points. When he came back, uh, we all knew he uh, was probably going to come back today. We didn't know in what capacity. We didn't know if he was going to start, come off the bench. We didn't know if he was going to have 10 points, five points, no points. The guy had 21 points. He lit it up from three, five of 10 from three-point land, 50%, 21 points, three rebounds, one steal, whatever. <laughs> but 50% from three. Uh, I mean, he was perfect from free throws. The guy just lit it up in his first game back, almost like he was just chomping at the bit to get back. And I don't think anyone thought that he was going to come back and do what he did in his first game oh, back coming no, off a knee injury and a minor surgery like that. I mean, I honestly thought he was going to come off the bench. I didn't think they were going to start him the night. I thought they would probably limit his minutes to that 20 minutes, you know, about half the game, probably yeah. somewhere there. Maybe give us a little bit of a spark of 8, 10, 12 points. But for Isaiah Joe to come back and have lead the team and have 21 points, this team obviously just plays differently when he's on the court. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, you take Isaiah Joe out, we saw what happened. That's that's a hit to your depth. That's a um, a major threat on offense, so it makes it easier on the defense to defend us when he's not on the court. And then, no, he's not coming in the game. So all of our players around him are just getting worn out. And to have him back, that just helps in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. And you talk about his scoring alone, but if you look at it, he's a good defender as well. So he's him being out the last five games – all losses, by the way, um, it's a hit on both sides of the ball. It's a hit defensively, and it's a it's a huge hit offensively. Just 21 points in his first game back, and the first win since he's been out. Um, his last game that he played was the last win we had, but he had zero points, and that was the win at Alabama. Um, but just talking about you know the other guys on the floor, other than Isaiah Joe. Um, Sills was second in scoring with 17 points, three boards, one steal, uh, four of six from three, which is awesome in itself. Um, just one of one from free throw. But um, Jimmy Witt, 14 points, three boards, one steal, two of two from free throws. Uh, Mason Jones, kind of a down night. It's uh, Isaiah Joe's show tonight. Mason Jones, 12 points, eight boards, one steal. Uh, here's downside for Mason Jones. One of four from three-point land, seven of eight free throws. As a team, Arkansas just kind of got the better of Mizzou in this department. Field goal percentage, kind of the same as a team. Uh, Arkansas had 47.2% uh, field goal percentage. Mizzou had 42.9%. So kind of a five-point five, five point percentage swing in Arkansas's direction. Uh, three-point percentage is the big deal here. Arkansas, 48% from three-point land. And to notice yeah. looking at the board here, Missouri is at 19%. Yeah. That is massive. And that goes to show you that Arkansas is still really good at defending the three. I don't know what they rank in the country right now. I know for a while we were number one and number two in the country and holding opponents to a certain free throw percentage. But 48% from the three-point line yeah. is a team that is a massive statistic. Yeah, If that's not telling you to what I, Isaiah Joe can do for this team, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Joe alone is 50% from three. 
and still is four of six from three. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to give a shout out to Desi Sills as well. I think that kid's gotten better throughout the year, and I think when Isaiah Joe was out these last five games, I think he really stepped up, and that really helped him improve his game in certain ways because he had to play more minutes. And I think that we're very lucky to get him back. He's only a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he'll. I'm concerned about Desi Seals next year with all the incoming talent. Desi Seals, of course, undersized, coming back as a junior with all the incoming talent. He'll have to probably come off the bench. So not sure what's going to happen with Desi Seals next year. Does he transfer out? So a little concerned about that. I like him. He fits in right now with his team. He helps us tremendously. So, you know, I don't, I don't personally think he'll transfer out, but I do think his minutes are obviously going to go down, especially from this season with the stint of Isaiah Joe not being in him playing a lot more minutes because of that. And he'll probably come off the bench next year with the guards we have coming in because the guards we do have coming in are all a little bit taller, a little bit longer and great athletes. They can all handle the ball. They can all shoot. They can all defend. But that also should get you excited because you're going to just think about the depth that we're going to have at every position next year. We're not going to say, man, we really miss Joe on the court. Or we really don't have a big man. We're getting worn down at the end of these games, especially the games we're going overtime. We're going to have that depth next year. And I think, uh, I think Seals will still be a critical part of that depth. No doubt about that. And if you watch the game on the SEC network, um, they had Joe Lenardi, um, kind of a guest. He was like a picture in picture. He wasn't at the game, but he was talking about Arkansas's chances in the NCAA tournament. And I thought it was interesting. He was talking about Arkansas with uh, Isaiah Joe back. And he said that now that Joe is back, they're obviously a completely different team. And he thinks that in order for Arkansas to make the NCAA tournament uh, and secure that bid, all they need to do is win the rest of their games at home, which all that remains at home is Tennessee this coming Wednesday and LSU on Wednesday, March the 4th, and steal a road game, which we have at Georgia Saturday the 29th, and our final game of the regular season is at A&M, which we better win because A&M is not good. A&M is worse than Missouri, I think, maybe. Um, so we just got to steal one of those road games and win our home games. And then Joe Lenardi said um, we should just be able to win an SEC tournament game, just one SEC tournament game. And as of right now, with our current record, we're playing on Wednesday versus Vanderbilt. And that's a very, very winnable game. Like oh, yeah. I said earlier, Vanderbilt's a one or two win team last in the conference. And that will be on the road, correct? Yeah, because we did play them at home. But you have to win that game. If you lose that game, your chances decrease dramatically. I mean, yeah. there's just no doubt about that. Yeah, but the SEC tournament um, this year is in Nashville, which is the home of Vanderbilt. So it is the home of Vanderbilt, but we do know one thing about Hog fans when we have a chance to make a tournament or a bowl game or anything like that, we travel extremely well. We so it's not that well. far away, really. Yeah. I mean, it's like eight hours away from Fayetteville. Yeah. So, I mean, if, I mean, if you're at, 
and on the east side of Arkansas, it's probably a solid five hours. Yeah, five hour drive. That's not bad at all. No big big deal. Um, So, yeah, uh, the five game skid is over. Looks uh, almost promising for Arkansas to make the NCAA tournament. Just got a Steeler Road game. The games were supposed to win at home and beat Vanderbilt, possibly the next round game. Whoever that might be, hopefully a team worse than us. <laughs> the real question here is, do you think Eric Musselman's able to sleep back in his house now? If you remember, his wife said every time he loses, he's not allowed yeah. to sleep I mean, in the house. He's got to sleep outside or in the guest house, and you that's think five games kid. You'd think he'd be sleeping in a tent down the street by now, five games kid. I don't know. As competitive he is, he might just be staying. He might be staying in his own coaching office on campus. He's always watching yeah. film and yeah. he's, he's just probably sleeping on the court with his game notes. That would not surprise me one bit. All right. So I'm so glad that stress of the five game skid is over. So glad we beat Missouri. So glad Isaiah Joe is back. So glad he put up 21 points. So glad we look like a legitimate contender again. So. All is right in the world. All is good, man. I'm sure Razorback Nation is very, very happy wow. right now. Razorback fans rejoice. All right. So let's move on to uh, Razorback women's sports. What do you say? Let's do it. gymnastics of course it's one of interesting gymnastics we don't have a men's gymnastics team so they hosted uh women's empowerment night friday night and um it was a pretty cool event so they uh they took on number 20 auburn for women's empowerment night and they had a bunch of promotions of course first 300 students got free pizza which is how cool in itself i mean that's the biggest thing, right? <laughs> right you gotta you gotta get people in the door right especially college kids you want to get college kids to the door i mean you, you gotta offer them away. free t-shirts and free food. yeah speaking of free t-shirts first 1500 fans got a free uh women's empowerment bracelet which is not a free t-shirt but it's a bracelet um but um they had uh several um gosh what am i trying to say appearances um, appearances, autographs. Uh, Miss Arkansas 2019 was there. Uh, Darren Dollum, I can't pronounce her name. Uh, Miss University of Arkansas, Whitney Williams was there. And uh, University of Arkansas Outstanding Team 2020, Kennedy Holland was there to sign autographs. Um, so, and then after the meet, they had a post meet dance party with the Jimbacks and Jordan Weeper. So um, a very cool event for Women's Empowerment Night. But unfortunately, the number 14 uh, Arkansas Razorbacks gymnastics team lost to number 20 Auburn. Uh, But these gymnastics scores below my mind. 
Arkansas won six event titles, but lost 196.5 to 196.025. I can't even wrap my head around how they're keeping all these scores and how close this is. Like, it's literally less than half a point. Yeah, gymnastics is typically lost by a point or less. I've went to a couple of them throughout the years. and um, I know Arkansas, especially this year, they're very good on the floor. That was kind of Jordan Weaver's specialty when she was a coach at UCLA. So I'm sure she does most of the coaching for that. Um, I think that we I think that we won a few of the events and then obviously lost a few of the events last night. And then obviously the scores were so close we lost by less than half of a point. But that's that's what makes gymnastics kind of cool too, though, is you lose by such a small margin or you win overall by such a small margin. Yeah. Any tiny little mistake, you know, slipping off of a beam or falling down the floor. I mean, that's the difference in a win or loss because it's that close. Right. And speaking of those close losses, uh, most of them have not gone in our favor so far this year. Uh, This season, we're two and six overall and two and four in the SEC. So a better overall conference record. But that's so much better than last season. Last season, we were one and seven overall and oh and six in the SEC. But the attendance at these meets are just incredible. Uh, Friday night at Women's Empowerment Night, there were over 5,000 fans there. And since the start of the Jordan Weaver era, the Razorbacks have hosted three top 10 crowds. So, and they've only had, what, three or four home meets? Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, I don't know how many of you listeners out there have ever been to a gymnastics meet, but if you're getting over 5,000, and I believe with one of those, there was over 6,000, around yeah. 6,500. Yeah. Um, that's a huge amount, especially even in Barnhill Arena, because Barnhill doesn't hold a whole lot of people. Yeah. And those meets actually get really loud. To see what Jordan Weaver has been able to do in year one, already getting two more SEC wins than the previous year, that's a huge improvement. She has to be proud of herself for that. You're not going to turn into a national championship team in one year. I mean, there are like nationally ranked baseball programs that don't get 5,000 people in attendance. Absolutely. Yeah. But she's got, I don't know the numbers, but she's got like one of the top recruiting classes coming in. I wouldn't say like top, top, but I don't know the numbers, like I mentioned, but she's got a really good recruiting class coming in. So it's just going to get better and better. So keep going out and supporting the gym backs. Yeah. They're fun to go watch. If you have kids, especially, I want to say it's only two or three dollars per child, five dollars for adults. So get out there and go watch them. It's also on a Friday night, and it's a great event to go to. Yeah, uh, Jordan Weaver's getting it done. Uh, you know, Olympic gold medalist. She's she's got the star power. She's got the power pony going on. And you know she's got to have connections all over the country oh, for yeah. recruiting. So I expect this program to keep getting better and better as the years go by. Yeah. Um, so moving on from that, let's move on to softball. Softball is, I mean, Courtney Dyfel is just killing it with softball. Um, this see, this season, the softball team's 10 and 1 right now, playing a doubleheader today. So playing Boston U and Montana today, playing Marist tomorrow. So, I mean, that could be 13 and 1 by the end of the weekend. So um, I fully expect it to because those are three bad teams. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see us losing any of those. Yeah. So, uh, the currently 10 and one record there is good for 23rd in the country. Um, but last season, I mean, it's kind of a new season. So let's just recap last season's highlights. So 2019 
softball team. Uh, they hosted a regional in Fayetteville, which was which is always awesome. Crowds were awesome. But then they went to Oklahoma for the Super Regional and got eliminated by BYU, which is sad because <laughs> the year before that, they also went to Oklahoma for the Super Regional, which was the first time in program history and got eliminated. So they just got to go somewhere else. <laughs> got to go somewhere else for the Super. Um, but 2019, the overall record was 38 and 20. 12 and 12 in the SEC and 25 and six at home. And the big highlight of the 2019 season was Danielle Gibson. Uh, she hit for the home run cycle. And if you don't know what that is, she hit four home runs in a game, which was sick, just absolutely ridiculous. It was all over ESPN, all over Bleacher Report, every sports outlet that you can imagine, all over Twitter. She was trending. Like her world just absolutely blew up. And I want to bring this up to fans too. I mean, that's only six losses at home, which makes that 14 losses on the road. That just shows you that we also have an awesome crowd going on at these softball games oh, too, yeah. which is really cool to see that we're not going out and just supporting the major sports. We're going out to every single sport and supporting all of them. Yeah, for sure. So uh, back to this year's softball squad. Uh, as I mentioned, they're playing Boston U, Montana today, and Marist tomorrow. They're actually hosting the Razorback Invitational this weekend through tomorrow. And that 10-1 and record, their only loss was to Bradley, uh, whoever that is. I have no idea. And it was a 3-2 loss, and it was during a tournament at New Mexico State, which, fun fact, my wife actually did a little time at New Mexico State before transferring to the University of New Mexico. So uh, she's a New Mexico native. But after that loss to Bradley, uh, the Razorbacks turned around and the next day played that same Bradley team and run-ruled them in five innings. So that, that loss was kind of a fluke, I think. Um, if they played Bradley ten times, they probably – Win nine out of the ten times, but this team is led by led by two players so far this year. Uh, Hannah McEwen is batting four eighty three, which is pretty awesome, and then Lenny Malkin is batting three seventy one with four home runs. So I'd say that she's the Heston Kerstad of the group. So. Those are big cleats to follow. Right there. <laughs> That's awesome, though. But four home runs in eleven games. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. Moving on, uh, the pitching staff is led by Autumn Storms. She's got an 0.59 ERA with a 5-0 record. That's just incredible. Um, then Mary Half it has a 1.83 ERA with a 4-1 record. So she gave up that lone loss to Bradley. I'm not going to throw her under the bus for that one. But, um, actually, next weekend, let me throw this out there. If you have any knowledge about softball at all this next weekend is going to be for you the women are hosting the woo pig classic next weekend and here are the teams that are going to be here in fayetteville at bogle park baylor villanova kent state and florida state florida state won the national championship like two years ago so razorback softball team is playing baylor Thursday at 4.30, and they're playing Florida State Saturday at 4.45. So get your butt out there, fill those stands, 
and support these Razorbacks because, like Adam said, the crowd support is awesome and the crowd support matters, especially against these big teams like Florida State, who, like I said, just won the national championship like two years ago. Yeah, it doesn't matter what sport it is. When a, when a player, an athlete, or anyone runs out onto a field or a court or whatever it may be, a mat, and they see an empty arena or an empty stadium, that messes with you a little yeah. bit. I don't care what anybody says. But if you run out onto a floor, a field, or a mat, and you notice there's fans everywhere, they're into the game, they're already yelling, you can feel that excitement. And that that is so big for athletes. I wish more people would realize how big of a, a home field advantage is for people and for athletes. It's huge. Yeah. So if you're wondering about uh, the softball team's schedule as of late, um, 10 and one record hasn't been a ton of competition. They did run roll Nebraska, which pretty good win, but the, the meat of the order, so to speak, is going to come this next weekend with Baylor and Florida state in town. And then the SEC schedule starts the weekend after that starts Friday, March 6th at Alabama, which is going to be tough because Alabama's got a pretty tough squad. So go out and support, uh, go spend a little bit of money. Softball games are dirt cheap. So I think it's like five, 10 bucks. It's so, worth it to go. Oh yeah. Everybody needs to get out there if you're yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Number 23 softball team. I mean, in all honesty, that 23rd ranked rank, uh, ranking was released when they were seven and one like this past week and they could be 13 and one by the end of this week so i mean that ranking's probably going to move up a bit so go go support the softball team they're awesome courtney dyfel is doing big things up on the hill so go go watch them they need your support this this next weekend during the Pig classic so let's talk some women's basketball yeah, how about the job Mike Neighbors is doing? Dude, all three of these coaches, these women's coaches, <clears throat> just killing it. Yeah, and they're all new. I mean, relatively, they're all pretty new, and they're all going to get better, right? I mean, you have the women's basketball team setting a 21-5 and record, 9-4 and in the SEC, and they're 14-3 and at home, ranked number 22 in the country right now. And if you watch their last two or three games, they put up some points. Two of their last three games, they scored over 100 points. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, they throttled number 15, Kentucky, and what, three games ago? 108 to 64. I mean, that was last Sunday, I think. And that was, I mean, I think they they wanted the big crowd there for that game, and they got it. And that the crowd showed up, like we've been preaching this whole time. People showed up for that game, and it meant a lot to the players, and the team showed up, and they got it done against number 15, Kentucky. 108-64, and then they showed up again on the road at Ole Miss. Um, wait, I, I messed up. Hold on. They went and they beat number 15 Kentucky, 103-85. And then they went on the road and beat Ole Miss, 108-64. Read my notes wrong. Sorry, folks. And then they came back to Bud Walton and beat Tennessee, 83-75. And tomorrow... Uh, they actually play Florida. That's a big game. Yeah. At three o'clock. That's yeah, a huge tomorrow game, actually. At three o'clock at Florida. So that's going to be a tough one. 
But as hot as they are right now, I'm pretty yeah. confident they can go down yeah. and get the job done. I mean, when you have a team that's put up 103, 108, and 83 in the last three games, they're hot right now. Yeah, Three-game winning streak. They're going to be tough to beat. And, you know, I believe that last game, was that game at Tennessee, was it on the road? No, it was here. It was here. It was yeah. actually here. So, Tennessee, that's a really good women's basketball program. Getting yeah. that win is huge. And I'm sure Florida's really good in basketball as well. And I'm sure that's going to be a great game. Yep. So a little bit of bracketology for the women. They're currently projected as an eight seed to play nine seed Duke in Waco. Um, and the winner of that game would likely go on to play one seed Baylor, who, you know, not 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 any slouch. How nice is it to see uh, Arkansas and Duke mentioned in basketball together again? <laughs> right. When's the last time that happened? You want to guess that year? Oh, yeah. Not all that. I'll let the, the fans guess that one. Um, but that's based on the latest ESPN bracketology from February 18th, which was like four days ago. So um, the women's basketball is actually only one game shy of last season's win total mark, which last season they were 22 and 15. Uh, this season, like Adam mentioned, is currently 21 and 5. Last season they were six and ten in the SEC. This season they're currently nine and four. So huge step up from last season. Mike Neighbors is just killing it. There are currently three regular season games left before the SEC and NCAA tournaments. So they're just probably gonna, you know, get a bunch of more wins. Probably not a bunch, but a few more wins. So the last regular season game is LSU at home. Sunday, March 1st at 1 o'clock. So, again, get your tail out there and support these women. Like Adam mentioned, anytime those players look <laughs> up and see empty stadiums, it hurts their heart, makes them not want to play hard. And on the flip side, when they see a packed crowd and fans going nuts, and there to support them. They want to play hard. For I mean, state. it makes such a big difference. I mean, you have a women's basketball team sitting at 21 and five. They're going to get a few more wins between now and then. And this is their last game of the season at home in Bud Walton. They deserve to have fans go out there. And I'm telling you right now, if they get a few more wins with the record they currently have, they're going to be a really highly ranked, high seeded team, probably a top 20 team at that point. These ladies deserve it. And they're playing a really good right now. I don't know if there's another team in the last three games as hot as Arkansas. I mean, it'd be tough to find one. So I'm excited about all of these women's sports in Fayetteville. Um, I'm excited about, you know, if you look around and see uh, women's basketball, softball, gymnastics, and then just look into the men's sports, baseball, football, basketball. Also the track program. Track program. Women's track program is just Mm -hmm. killing it. I mean, things are really, really looking up in Fayetteville at the University of Arkansas. Every sport seems to be hitting on pretty good cylinders besides football, and I think that's on the way up as well. It's it's on the up and up. So I'm excited. Baseball is actually playing right now, and we're going to hit on that in just a minute. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Hog Pit. Baseball team is just crushing Gonzaga right now. So they're playing Gonzaga, third game of a four-game series, and bottom of the six, Razorbacks are up five to nothing after the 17-year-old Robert Moore's two-run home run. Five to nothing, bottom of the six. So this Robert Moore kid is impressive to say the least. So he was actually a high school kid until December. He enrolled into the University of Arkansas in January. Let's think about that for a second. He started playing college baseball in January. Here we are in February, and he's hitting a home run against Gonzaga. Less than 60 days after enrolling in college. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's insane. So the 17-year-old from Kansas City area is just got his first home run of his collegiate career. And he's 17 years old, and it's just, it's amazing. It really is amazing. This is game six into the season. Yep, game six. We had a three-game sweep. I mean, the dude is tiny. The dude is small. But his, I've, I've watched just about every game this season, and the dude is... He's a stud defensively. He's a magician from what I can tell so far. And I didn't think he would hit a home run all season because he's he looks like he's 12 years old. <laughs> <'Cause> he, <laughs> just imagine what he's going to be able to do, though, after oh, this. I mean, he's going to have a great season this season. But just imagine what he'll do next year as well when he gets that full off season in the strength conditioning program and probably puts on a good salt 15 to 20 pounds of muscle, too. I imagine in my head, this guy is a better, a, how do I word this? He's Carson Shaddy better at second base. Those are some big standards to live up to. I mean, I mean it. He's already defensively, he's starting as second base his freshman year. He's going to be better defensively, and he's already hitting home runs six games into his freshman year, and he's 17 years old. And how old do you have to be to be draft eligible in baseball? you got to be two years removed from high school. Okay. So, I mean, it's just impressive. But anyway, so we're three games into a, a four-game series with Gonzaga. Um, currently um, looking to be 3-0 and so far against Gonzaga. Uh, we swept Eastern Illinois for the first series of the season. So getting ready to be 6-0 on the season. I mean, if this, if this lead holds, which hopefully it does. So Hogs are looking impressive so far. Um, currently number seven, um, number seven ranked team in the country, depending on who you, who you look at some, some outlets have us as high as fifth. Some outlets have us, you know, eighth or ninth, just, it just and you know, they're never going to make us number one, most likely because we're no. Arkansas, we don't get yeah. number one rankings, but no. at the end of the day, they're beating the teams that are being put in front of them. And that's all you can do. That's all you got to do. Game by game. Just yeah. beat Beat every team, every game. Just, yeah, just just play the game that's ahead so, of you. You know, and yeah. if we we finish, whatever, it doesn't matter what the record is. Just get to the College World Series, and anything can happen. Yeah. doesn't matter what record we go to, into. I mean, that's all you got to do. Now, hopefully lock down a top eight national seed in the College World Series, and then just, just win the game that's ahead of you. That's all you got to do. But uh, after the Eastern Illinois Series, um, there were two two big honors that were given out. Uh, Heston Kerstad and Connor Nolan both got some pretty good honors. 
Eston Kerstad was named National Player of the Week um, after his big week. Um, he was also named Co-SEC Player of the Week, hmm. which is a little stupid. <laughs> how do you be? How do you? Uh, how do you get named National Player of the Week, but Co-SEC Player of the Week? National Player of the Week. So National Player of the Week, but you shared the SEC Conference Player of the Week. They just don't want to give Arkansas any credit for some reason. The SEC does not want to give Heston credit. I don't know why. No, but Connor Nolan was named SEC Pitcher of the Week. So they just didn't want to give Arkansas both both titles. You can't have Arkansas winning everything, right? No. no. This wouldn't be right. So Kerstad uh, had, during the Eastern Illinois series, Kerstad had an average of 583 batting average. And... Um, he had four home runs, I think. He did. He had four home runs on the weekend. I happened to be there for the game on Sunday, and I want to say whenever he went up to play, right before he went and hit his second home run, you can literally see the coaching staff of the other team and every player on that field just tense up. You could tell they were just so scared <laughs> of Heston hitting another home run. And what does he do? He goes and hits his second home run. Oh, gosh. So I just want I want to hit on um Gonzaga a little bit. Um I've I've seen some people on Twitter like So Texas A&M, I'm just going to get right into this. Texas A&M is completely obliterating their opponents right now. They played what Prairie Prairie View A&M something I think is like that. I almost said Prairie Grove, but that's a that's a town next to us. Um, they're they're winning like twenty seven to something, so putting up like seventeen runs an inning. So we're not doing that to Gonzaga, but Prairie View A and M First United Methodist Church, whoever they're playing, they're not near the opponent that Gonzaga is. Gonzaga is a tough opponent, people. Let me for all of you listening right now. Gonzaga is a small, they're, everybody look at, I almost said look at me, but you can't. Listen to me right now. Gonzaga may be a basketball school, but they are a dang good baseball program. And I'm going to tell you right now that there are a lot good recruits out there that don't go to the SEC. There are a lot of good baseball players on the West Coast that want to play at a school like Gonzaga. Gonzaga has won their conference, the West Coast Conference, two out of the last four years. And they have a pitcher that is a preseason All-American that's probably going to be drafted pretty high. This Gonzaga program is pretty good. So people just look at the name Gonzaga, and like you said, they they think of a basketball school. They're always in the NCAA tournament. They always win their conference in basketball, it seems like. So they automatically think, oh, well, I haven't heard of them in baseball. They must not be very good. Yeah, exactly. They don't actually take the time to dig into what they've done in the past, what they're currently doing, their roster, their coaching staff, and things like that. You just think, oh, it's just Gonzaga. So once again, you just have people not doing their research. That's exactly right. So I just want to... That's that's been kind of on my mind lately. 
So I've seen people on Twitter that are upset that we're not just completely blowing out Gonzaga. You know what? People should just be happy that we're winning. Who cares if you win one to nothing, 20 to nothing, or 10 to nine? It doesn't matter. All that matters is those W's and those L's. I mean, yeah, sure. Would you love to win every game 20 to nothing? Absolutely. That's not realistic. Yep. At the end of the day, it's about the wins and losses. And if you're winning, be happy. Yep. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just be happy that we're getting the win. Yeah. So another thing I want to hit on real quick, just going back to Heston Kerstad. Um, he is an early candidate for the Golden Spikes Award just because he's just been tearing it up lately. Another player that Arkansas had who won the Golden Spikes Award, quick guess. Mm, Benny Baseball? That's right. Benny Baseball, Andrew Benintendi. Um, he was a seventh overall pick to the Boston Red Sox. And his signing bonus was a cool $3.6 million. That's not bad being a kid. No. <laughs> no. Um, so, you want to play a quick game of guess how high Heston Kersad gets picked? Man, I'll be honest with you. I don't really watch the Major League Baseball draft, but knowing how good Benintendi was, was he also the SEC Player of the Year that year? You know, that escapes me. I'm not really sure. Okay, so if he was the number seven pick, we know what he did here. We know what Heston has done here and what he's capable of doing. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say he'll be drafted as high as seven, but I think he'll be a top 15 pick. That's a good That's a good estimate. Here, I'm going to say... I think Ben Attendi was a better outfielder than Heston is. Heston makes some boneheaded plays in the outfield, just straight up. He sure did make some really good ones last weekend when I was there. <laughs> Do you remember that? But he also almost pulled a Jose Canseco. <laughs> he almost let a ball bounce off his glove over the fence for a home run. Mm. So um, I just think if he cleans that up this year and starts making some even just routine catches on the run, um, he'll be he'll be. But I think like the mid round area, mid first round area is pretty good, pretty good estimate. But which is probably good for like a, uh, I don't know if Benny Baseball got three point whatever million. Maybe he's good for two. 1.5 to 2. I think Heston would be okay with 2 million. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be? And I have a feeling he's going to go into the league and earn his money as well. I think he's going to be a very good baseball player in the Major League Baseball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's just a pure hitter, man. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to talk a little football. So um, we're going to take a little break and we're going to talk football, go into recruiting and some fun stuff like that. So hold tight. guys welcome back to the hog pit we're going to start our football segment here i think the biggest news that we've had since you know national signing day for football has to be the news of xavier kelly coming to arkansas the clemson grad transfer he's a defensive tackle 64305 now he's only going to have one year to play but when you think about it we just lost sosa game and then we also lost our other defensive tackle as well so 
that defensive tackle position is very young outside of this grad transfer coming in. So I think that was actually one of the bigger recruits that we got. And I was starting to get a little worried there for a minute because I thought he was going to commit a couple days after National Signing Day or right around Signing Day. Then it took about two weeks for him to announce on Twitter afterwards. So I was getting a little worried about that one. Yeah, for a second, I thought he was just going to stay at Clemson. Um, but I mean, cause it took a really long time for him to commit to Arkansas. And then, uh, Sam Pittman started talking about, he was going to possibly use that last scholarship on an offensive game changer. So, uh, so it started to look like he was going to go in a different direction. And then just out of the blues, Avery Kelly said he was going to finish his career at Arkansas. So, uh, but yeah, he, uh, 2019 was not the most impressive year for Xavier Kelly on that Clemson defensive line. But you got to keep in mind that that defensive line for Clemson was just stacked. I mean, Clemson defense, if you got to think about it as a fan, and yeah, his stats aren't what you would hope they would be coming from Clemson, right? You think Clemson, you think, oh my gosh, first round draft pick. Well, that's why his stats aren't where they are is because there's several draft picks yeah. playing in front of him. Now, as a fan, we can also only hope that he develops into a top draft pick as well, right? Yeah, the kid sure. has the athletic ability to do that. He was a highly rated four-star recruit in high school, top 200 player, I believe, and top 150 player out of Wichita, Kansas. And I think he had offers to every major school around. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, of course, he. why wouldn't he choose Clemson? That's arguably coming out. That was the, the program that was on the up and up. That was mm-hmm. the hot hand. They just – beat Bama in the national championship. So, and so look at the linemen they've put in the NFL over the last yeah. couple of years. I mean, they, they have an Alabama defensive line. Yeah. They have an Ohio State defensive line. I mean, if I was a defensive lineman and I was being recruited, I'm probably looking at Bama, Ohio State, and Clemson right now. Yeah, no doubt. They are probably producing more NFL talent on the D-line than about any other school in the country right now. So that's a big pickup because, you know, losing those two seniors, a defensive tackle, and looking at the depth behind them, you have Jonathan Marshall, who will be a senior. His stats aren't that great as well, but I really think that the last couple of games of the season, I think he really picked it up. I think he's got a bright future for the last year of him being here. Isaiah Nichols is going to be a junior. He really hasn't got a lot of playing time. And then you're looking at freshmen, Marcus Miller, Enoch Jackson, Torin Carter, and then a sophomore, I believe, in Nicholas Fullwater. These are guys that we really haven't seen play hardly at all. They played a couple of games in those first four games, that four games they're allowed to play in, but they didn't really get any playing time. We have no idea what to expect yeah. at all from any of these players. And you got to look at the coaching staff too. You got to look at previous coaching regime versus, you know, the, the new coaching staff, Barry Odom. He's going to develop these guys in a way that, you know, the previous staff could have never dreamed of, of developing these guys and i think that's what xavier kelly was looking at when he chose arkansas coming from clemson yeah i mean if you also think about too who was our defensive line coach i can't even remember his name for the morris staff i know we had caldwell coaching the defensive ends yeah. kenny ingram yeah kenny ingram was the defensive tackles coach and i mean let's be honest he wasn't a big name hire right steve caldwell we know he's a good coach yeah He's back at Tennessee now, but even the national recruiting analyst, Tom Lenning of CBS Sports Network, he actually named Derek LeBlanc, our new D-line coach, as one of the six, top six assistant coaching hires in college football for his recruiting, his coaching, his connections, how much people like him. 
So think about that. We went from having a defensive tackles coach that nobody really knew anything about to an ESPN analyst saying, hey, I think he's a top six assistant hire for this whole season, for this year. Yep. That's yeah, huge. And if you look at Kentucky's defense over the last couple of years, the school he came from, their defensive line was a big reason of why they were so good on defense the last two or three seasons with him as their coach. I'm sure that was a big loss to Kentucky. So I'm excited to see what Coach LeBlanc can do with these defensive tackles. I think there's a ton of talent there. There's just a ton of, ton of talent we haven't seen. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of untapped potential, too. Um, especially like you were saying, there's, there's guys like Tord Carter, Carter, uh, Nick Fulwider, uh, Enoch Jackson, um, just guys that you haven't seen much from. Um, and I think that's why, uh, Xavier Kelly is going to get, you know, a big opportunity here coming in. Um, just the opportunity to step in immediately where there's lack of experience. And I think he's just going to get, uh, opportunity and he's just going to make an impact right away. Um, just on kind of a kind of a thin defensive line now that we've lost two key guys um, that were seniors. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm happy that he's here. He's going to make an impact right away, and I, I'm excited to see where this defense goes now that we have his leadership, that grad transfer leadership from an established program like Clemson. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime you get a player that played for a national championship national championship team, not just, you know, sit on the bench, but actually played. That's going to bring all in leadership, but that brings a swag. Oh yeah. And Arkansas hasn't had any swag. If you haven't watched them in the last sure. couple of years, like, and not only is it going to bring that swag and kind of that mentality and just that about them, but it's also going to push those other guys. I mean, this is a guy coming in to play and start. So you can't tell me it's not going to push these younger players in the Isaiah Nichols the, you know, the Marshalls, the Millers, the Jacksons, the Carters, the Fullwaters, it's going to push all those guys. And they're only going to get better because of that guy in front of them with that senior leadership. So that's a huge pickup. And also between now and our last podcast that we recorded, Arkansas picked up its first 2021 commitment in football. Terry Wills, which he had huge out of win Arkansas. He's a 6'4", 290. I believe he's playing offensive tackle right now, but he knows well as I do when they get to college. They move him around. I mean, he might be an offensive tackle. He might be an offensive guard. He might play center. I watch his film. I think he can play offensive tackle or offensive guard. Uh, if you go watch his kid's film, you can go follow him at Terry Wells 63 on Twitter. He has his huddle highlight tape up there from his junior season. This kid's nasty. I mean, he blocks downfield. He pancakes people over and over and over. He'll take on one of the two defenders and knock them both to the ground every single play. Wow. The kid's a beast. And recently, he was actually a three star a few weeks ago on every recruiting site when he originally committed. And just over the last week or so, he got bumped up to a four saw already on two, four, seven. And that's a big deal because he just won a couple of awards at a camp that he went to. And when this kid starts going to more camps over the summer, guess what's going to happen? Every other recruiting source is going to bump him up to a four star. He's going to get a lot more attention. Now Sam Pittman is going to have his work cut out for him to keep him, even though he's an Arkansas kid because he's going to blow up. Anytime a coach sees more and more offers going out to a kid, they offer him, they start peaking interest, they go to these camps, they watch and things like that. He's going to get more offers. He's going to blow up. He might take a couple of visits. We don't know yet, but that's a big pickup. I mean, that's the first, first recruit in the 2021 class since a four-star offensive tackle. Yeah. How nice does that sound coming from the Arkansas offensive line? I mean, that's massive. And we've seen several times that, that Sam, Pitt, Sam Pittman – 
offers a guy early because he sees the talent and then the guy just blows up on their recruiting scale. So, I mean, this could be that, that same case like you're talking about. Yeah, he's a great player. That's a huge pickup for your first one, especially now that he was bumped up to a four-star. Guess what? He's also the number one recruit in football in the 2021 class in the state of Arkansas. Wow. So you've already got locked down. Well, not locked down because that's not going to happen until he's signed, but you have your number one recruit in the state committed, which is huge. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the diamond in the rough pick for this week. I was a little bit of a homer on this one because it's a Greenwood, Arkansas kid, and that's where I played high school football at. But I really do believe he's a diamond in the rough, and I do believe that his recruitment will pick up a lot once he goes to a lot more camps this summer and things like that. But it's actually Jordan Hanna out of Greenwood. He's a 6'1", 210 linebacker slash defensive end. He actually played both positions last last season because he had to. But this season, he's going to move only to linebacker. His stats were actually 118 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, nine sacks, and one forced stumble. And I believe that when you actually go look up his profile on 247 arrivals, I think they have him listed at 195. But just through some people I know, he actually weighs 210 right now. And I think he's going to be playing linebacker probably more around that 225 marker when the season starts. Look for him to blow up. I think he's got offers to like, Southern Miss and a couple of the smaller schools right now, but I know there's a lot of other schools with interest that are talking to him as well. So like I said, once he goes to these camps, just like a lot of these kids do from Arkansas, his ratings will go up and he's going to start getting a lot more offers. Awesome. So from a, from a player standpoint, when you say he played linebacker and defensive end because he had to, what do you mean by that? So Jordan actually has really good speed, and I think they moved him to defensive end at some point in some games in certain situations because he was so good off the edge. Mm -hmm. And I think they had a little bit more linebacker depth last year at Greenwood than they did defensive line depth. Yeah, it was a depth issue. I think it was a depth issue, but I think they had a lot of younger kids in the defensive line that were juniors okay. and things like that. So I think they were just a little bit um, unprepared there, but he's going to stick just linebacker this year. So we're, we've gotten, like I mentioned earlier, we, we welcome any and all Twitter questions. Uh, so shoot us a message on Twitter, uh, shout us out, ask us some questions, but we're going to answer those. But before we get to that, it was announced that we're not playing the spring game at War Memorial <laughs> Stadium, which is pretty big news. And the reason is, if I'm not wrong, is because we can't take recruits there, correct? That is correct. You know, in the past, you, you can't have recruits at War Memorial. So when you really think about it as, good as it, as good as it is for certain fans to be able to go to the game at War Memorial Little Rock for, you know, Southern Arkansas, Southeastern Arkansas and things like that, because it's not that far of a drive. It's also at a huge disadvantage to the team and to the coaches because they can't host recruits. Right. Because it's not on campus. And guess what? Football is expect football especially is recruit driven. Yeah. You have to get great players to have a great football team and it's just a big disadvantage. And you and you want recruits to be able to go to the spring game because that's just a small taste of seeing some of the fans, seeing how the practice is gonna be kind of ran, seeing how they're gonna run a little bit of things in the games and things like that. So you want recruits to be able to go to those things yeah. and tour facilities. I don't know about you, but I don't want recruits seeing War Memorial Stadium oh, and think that's what our facilities <laughs> look like. So I think that's actually a blessing in disguise being able to have that in faith this year. Yeah. And uh, 
speaking of the spring game, um, I've got that date right here. Um, Saturday, uh, Saturday, April 25th uh, will be the spring game. So in Fayetteville at Razorback Stadium, Saturday, April 25th. And another great thing about that is we are the only SEC spring game that day. Televised. Televised. So that means you're not going to be competing with other teams, though, to get recruits on campus for your game. And you're going to have more viewers because that as well. So it actually works out best case scenario. I mean, not only televised, but just in period. I mean, in, in general, period. We're the only spring game that day. So um, so we're going to move on to some Twitter questions. So uh, hit us up on Twitter. Add us. We're asking you to to at me on, on Twitter. Um, so you want to give your Twitter handle? Go ahead and say it. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is actually ARazorbacks90. Uh, mine, uh, Billy, is at I am Billy Law. So just hit us up. Ask us whatever... Uh, whatever sports related, Razorbacks related questions, even Arkansas related in general, Arkansas sports, we'll try to figure it out. <laughs> so uh, ask us questions, we'll answer it here on the air, or uh, get onto our uh, anchor page, anchor.fm slash hogpit podcast, and uh, shoot us a voicemail and we'll play it and we'll answer it on the air. But we've got lots of questions. We've got like five questions. So um, we're gonna we're gonna answer those right now. What you got? So the first question is actually from Hagen McKinney, and it says, "Who do you see being the starting quarterback when the season starts?" It wouldn't surprise me if it's Franks, but I'm pulling for KJ. My opinion on that is actually, I mean, I don't think you bring in a grad transfer from Florida with two years starting experience in the SEC if you don't think he's your right. starter, right? I mean, I think KJ has a huge upside. And I think the kid coming in, Malik Hornsby, has a huge upside as well, but he hasn't played college football yet. Felipe Frank started in the SEC, played at a high level, won a lot of games as a starting quarterback against really good opponents. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody who's been there, done that, somebody who's got that in-game experience that's used to crowd noise, game-type situations, preparing for a game mentally, physically, all those things that come along with it. Mm -hmm. So I just don't see anybody starting other than KJ. And who knows? With Bryles coming in here, new coordinator, fresh start, new mentality. KJ might explode in the spring and summer. We don't know. Could for sure. And we'll find that out during the spring game. Yeah. I mean, we're spring balls about, what, a month away now, somewhere in there. So we're about to find out real quick. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll be, you know, uh, Felipe Franks um, will be the general one team and KJ will lead the other team and they'll go head to head and we'll see who looks the best in about a month. And my money, like, like you said, we'll be on Felipe Franks just because he has those two years of experience and he's a winner in the SEC. He's built for it, mm-hmm. you know, a little more than KJ is after only a year. Um, so I would put my money on Felipe Franks just because you don't bring him in. Um, you bring him in for this reason alone, just to lead uh, this team for his last season. And um I believe KJ said that he was okay sitting behind Nick Starkle for another year. So it's not like he's going to get upset if if Felipe Franks is named the starter. So And if he's going to be a great player, guess what? He welcomes competition. Right, exactly. If he's going to be an average player, he's going to say, man, 
I wish they would have let me be the starter. I can't believe they're bringing in a grad transfer. That's an average mentality. Yeah, I'm going to get in the portal just because I'm not named the starter. Yeah, so, I mean, he should welcome the competition if he thinks he's great and he thinks he's going to be a great football player for the University of Arkansas. He said, sure, bring Franks here. I'll still beat him up. Yeah, exactly. That's the mentality you have yeah. to have. And if great. he's a team player, if he's a great teammate, then he's going to say, okay, Felipe Franks, beat me fair and square. I'll be a great backup. And I'll be here for the guys on the sideline. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question on Twitter is actually from Melissa. She says, who do you think steps up this year in football? And then also any players that might shock us with their talent under a new coaching staff. So this one was actually a pretty easy one for me because I really think who's going to step up this year is Dorian Gerald. I actually had him last year for the 19th season leading our defense in sacks. And he looks really good in the one quarter, one and a half quarters he played in the first game before his season-ending injury. And I think that now he's got a full offseason again to just sit here and develop under a better coaching staff, get in the, get in the weight room in the offseason again. I'm going to go ahead and say the same thing. I think he's probably going to be the sack leader. If not, probably lead our team in tackles for loss. And he's going to be a senior. He's going to have something to prove. I know that kid wants to get to the league. I'm going to go with uh, Arkansas State transfer Jerry Jacobs. Good one. Yeah, I think uh, he already made an impact at Arkansas State in the Sun Belt Conference. I think just coming across the state to Arkansas with with already having experience in a smaller conference, but having starting experience and making an impact for that team, um, I think he's just going to make an impact right away in a thin secondary, um, especially with a better coaching staff, better better coach in Barry Odom. I think he's just going to get better and he's just going to step up and make a big impact in a way that we didn't expect. And I think he's the guy that I think is going to step up and just kind of surprise all of us. And we're going to say, where'd this guy come from? And then we're going to be like, Oh, that's the guy that transferred from a state. So That's my guy. And back to Melissa's second question here, any players that might shock us with their talent under new coaching staff? I mean, I'm going to go all off the offensive line here on the offensive side of the ball, considering we have Brad Davis and Sam Pittman here coaching the old line. I mean, Ricky Stromberg and Myron Cunningham, those are my two guys who I think will be your best offensive lineman probably next year. I'm not saying there are other guys that won't be. Cunningham ended up starting at left tackle after Colton Jackson got hurt, but he only weighed 289 pounds and he came from Juco. But he's got the feet and the footwork of an NFL offensive lineman in the hands. I think they'll probably get him up to 310, 315 range. I think he's going to do great. And Stromberg was a freshman right guard starting in the SEC at 18 years old, weighing 270 pounds. I think they'll probably get him up around that 300 range to play right guard this year. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. Then on the defensive side, I really think the biggest side of the ball you'll see improvement on will probably be in the secondary. I feel like we always get burned by fast receivers, deep balls and things like that. And I really see Montero Brown and Jalen Catalog. Now, Catalan didn't play a lot. I'm not going to get into it on the air, but I think there's a lot of things that went inside the locker room, and I think he was pretty upset he didn't get to play. If you remember last season, right before the season started during summer ball, he actually had like three pick sixes in summer ball and then didn't touch the field. Right, exactly. If I remember that was a big deal on Twitter there for a few weeks, people saying, why is this kid not playing? I thought he was the best player during the summer practice. How come he's not getting on the field? So I really expect those two guys to step up. Those are good picks. I'm going to go. This, this might not qualify for this question, but I'm going to go in a different direction. My player that might shock us with their talent under a new coaching staff, Felipe Franks. 
new coaching staff, new team even. But this guy was a four-star recruit, correct? He's a big-time four-star recruit. Yeah. So um, sometimes he just didn't look good at Florida. Um, so I think with Kendall Browse, Kendall Browse is going to groom him to be a pretty good quarterback. And I think he's going to start right away. I think he's going to show out at the spring game. And I think he's going to look really good as a passer because sometimes he just threw ducks in the air at mm-hmm. Florida. And I think he's going to look really good for Arkansas. I think he's going to make Trey Knox and Traylon Burks just look like studs, which uh, they already do. But And you, you got to think about it, man. Sometimes a fresh start is just the best thing for people. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even talking just football. I mean, how about people who might not be enjoying their job they're at or not be doing good and they switch to a different career? And they're excellent at it and they're happy. It's the same thing with football players or athletes or D1 players in general or people who play sports in general. Maybe he didn't fit into Florida. Yeah. Maybe he didn't like where he was at necessarily. There's a couple, I mean, there's, you'll never know. There's things behind closed doors from a fan perspective we never know, we never see. I mean, and there were clips on the sideline of Felipe Franks and Dan Mullen. And Dan Mullen looked like he was trying to like, pep Felipe Franks up, like smile a little bit, like trying to like dance with him or something. And didn't look like Felipe Franks was happy on the sideline. Might've just been situational, but maybe Felipe Franks just wasn't happy at Florida. Maybe he just, like you said, needed a change of scenery and maybe Ken O'Brien's can kind of give him. Well, he's definitely getting one because Gainesville and Fayetteville are two totally <laughs> different places. Yeah. Oh, Gainesville. I don't know if that's the greatest place. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I'll agree with you. Fayetteville's <laughs> definitely better than Gainesville, but I would like some of the Gainesville weather oh, yeah. every now and no then. No doubt about that. 80 degrees. All right. So moving on to the next question. So the next question is from Lindsay Joe on Twitter. She says, name your top three moments the Hogs have given you good or bad. Oh, man. So, all right, people, I got to be honest. So if you listen to our first episode, I said that I'm a Notre Dame fan. Uh, so I've been an Arkansas fan for about 10 years, maybe 11 years. So I moved to Northwest Arkansas from South Arkansas in 2007. And before that, I didn't watch a lick of Arkansas sports. I was all Notre Dame. So my Arkansas fandom started in about 2008. So and it actually started. You sound like a you sound like a bandwagon fan. Now that I'm thinking about it, I started liking y'all when y'all were getting good. Well, well, I stuck with it, so so I'm not a bandwagon fan because I'm still here. So I'll give you props for that. <laughs> so actually, one of my one of my uh, one of my favorite moments is um, 2008 basketball. I was. I was at the I was in Bud Walton Arena for both the Oklahoma and Texas games in 2008. So I believe you were too, right? I was, man. So that is those that, that was at actually that's actually when I started started liking the Razorbacks was I went with a friend, actually my neighbor, my neighbor invited me to the Oklahoma game in 2008 and I didn't I, I didn't care about Arkansas sports. I was a Notre Dame fan, and they shocked Oklahoma. Blake Griffin was on the team, and I was like, man, this is fun. Bud Walton's crazy. 
So then I went back to the Texas game later. I was like, surely they can't be two top 10 teams. And sure enough, they did. We all know the Big 12 is overrated, man. Come yeah, <laughs> that's true. So that would be one of my one of my favorite moments. Um, second, I was at the – what year was it that uh, that uh, under Brett Bielema, the Razorbacks shut out Ole Miss? 2014. It was pouring down rain. It was like mm-hmm. 30, to 30 to nothing. nothing. Yep. I was there for that game. It was freezing cold. And so that was one of those good old Hugh Freeze cheating years, too. Yeah, there you had go. all the recruits that he was paying. Yeah, I still stuff. whooped him. So then the following game, we shut out LSU to get back. Mm-hmm. So I was I was there for that old Miss game in the pouring rain. So were you there for that one, too? I was. I was there man, for that one too, man. Didn't even know each other. We were at the same games mm-hmm. together. So those were. Two of my favorite moments as as a Razorback fan. So a new Razorback fan in 2008. So I, I think I think uh, my biggest moments, you know, that come to mind are 2007 Arkansas LSU triple overtime win, number one in the country LSU. Darren McFadden, those boys going down there and getting the boot, and just winning that game the way they did. That's got to be maybe the best moment that I've watched, you know, live on TV that I can remember. I think that was an awesome one. And then you kind of stole one of my other ones. Oh, sorry. 2008 man. Oklahoma Blake Griffin. I'm kind of jealous that that was your first game in Bud Walton. My bad. Was it your first game? It was. Said? It was. That was a crazy game. That was a loud <laughs> game. I remember actually having Oklahoma fans yelling at me and cursing at me because I was sitting in their, I was sitting in their um, section and I didn't <laughs> sit down the entire game. <laughs> and I said, I paid for my seat just like you paid for your seat. Oh, you can't sorry. make me sit down. And then we beat them, which made it even sweeter. <laughs> and then my third one that comes to mind is probably 2015 Arkansas versus Ole Miss in football, the Hunter Henry. Heat. Oh, there you go. Because 4th and 25, we ruined their hopes of winning the SEC West that year, if you yes. don't remember. Because yes, they had just beaten Alabama, and Alabama fans loved us that week. So oh, yeah, because we gave them the SEC West. We gave them the SEC West. If we would have lost, Ole Miss would have won. So those are my those are my favorite memories, definitely. Nice. Uh, what about bad memories? Oh, bad memories. That one's easy. That's 2010 Alabama, Arkansas football at home. We're ahead. Majority of the game, I think like the first three quarters, we score immediately in the first quarter, just a couple minutes into the game. The stadium just goes nuts. People debated that's the loudest moment in Razorback football history in that stadium in Fayetteville. Anyways, we're ahead the whole game in the fourth quarter. Nick Saban being Nick Saban, having Mark Ingram at running back, just drives it methodically down the field, scores after, I believe, a Ryan Mallon interception. And they win by a couple points in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. It went from being the loudest moment, loudest game, maybe in fade the lever in football, to the quietest as you're walking out the stadium. Yep. What year was it? I'm bad with years. What year was it that we – was it 2014 that we celebrated the 1964 championship against Alabama? Oh, man, you got me on that one. Um, I was in the SEC network was SEC Nation was here. And uh, my wife and I went and saw Tim Tebow and Paul Feinbaum and got really close to them, got pictures and stuff. And it was really cool. And the build up I hope, you, I hope awesome. you told Tim Tebow that he cheated McFadden. <laughs> no. He knows he did. I, he knows he did, but I didn't remind him. No. <laughs> no, but that was, that was a pretty disappointing game because – uh, we should have beat them that that game. Um, that, of course, they were what number one, number two in the country, and 
Uh, it all came down to a missed PAT, I think. Um, we lost 14-13. Um, that was a pretty disappointing one. But for me, as a baseball guy, it comes down to the, the drop foul ball. I mean, that's... that's that I honestly just didn't want to bring it up Dude. because that was for a national championship. <laughs> it, yes. And I, I think that one's always going to hurt no matter how, oh, how much time goes by. Yeah. I mean, it's... And it hurts so bad because when that happened, you could just see the wind leave the sails. And that was game two of the three and games. And everybody series. knew that we were going to lose game yeah, three. Exactly. I didn't even, I'll be honest, I didn't even finish the whole third game <laughs> because I could tell halfway through it. You could just see it in their eyes. You yeah. could see their demeanor, their yeah. body language that they knew they lost. Yeah. You could just see it. And let me just bring this, let me just close this door here. For all the fans out there, let me just say that play was anything but routine. If you have played baseball or softball and any level, whether it be beer league, recreational or college or professional, whatever, you know that play was anything but routine. The way those guys were convening on the ball, how close it was to the fence. Um, that was probably Shaddy's ball, but I think Cole probably had the best angle on it coming in from right field. But that play was anything but routine. So uh, Ethan's final question was about baseball as well, and it says, who solidifies the Game 3 starter role? Which I'm assuming is for the weekend. Uh, Friday night, of course, belongs to Connor Noland. Saturday belongs to Patrick Wicklander. And Sunday, um, first weekend series against Eastern Illinois, uh, Dave Van Horn pitched Blake Adams, a freshman, and he only went two innings, um, pitched okay, gave up some runs. So I think he'll experiment a little bit before SEC play. Uh, I assume he'll go again tomorrow, Sunday, versus Gonzaga because Cole Ramage started Thursday and then Kevin Copps came in in relief on Thursday. So, but a guy to think about, a guy to keep in mind and keep an eye on is a guy by the name of Caden Monk. He came in in relief today. But he's got good stuff. Uh, he's he had some strikeouts today in relief, so I think he's a guy that Dave Van Horn will uh, will play with in a starting role, maybe in a couple midweek games before SEC play, and he might throw him out on a Sunday game, you know, before SEC play. Um, but just think about those four names: um, of course, Blake Adams, Cole Ramage, Kevin Copps, and Caden Monk. So those are SEC questions, or not SEC questions. Those are our Twitter questions. So hit us up on Twitter, uh, add us, tag us. Uh, my Twitter handle handle is at I am Billy Law. Adam, what's yours? Mine is a Razorbacks ninety. So hit us up with questions. We'll try to answer them. Um, also, uh, go to our anchor.fm slash Hogpit Podcast page and leave us a voicemail and we'll play it during the podcast and we will answer it while we're recording. So that's it for today's episode. So we appreciate you guys listening. So share us, 
rate us, review us, tell everyone you know about us, help us grow. So, and we're open up to suggestions like, you know, don't just tweet us questions. Like we love questions and things like that. But if there's something, a topic you want to talk about, or you have any kind of suggestion for us, even ways we can make our podcast better, we're, all, we're open ears to it. We're always going to be trying to get better and to improve. This is for you guys. This is for the fans. So tweet at us, DM us, whatever you need to do. Yeah, just, I mean, quality control, guys. <laughs> we're always trying to improve this thing. So we want it to be good. We want it. We want to be your go-to source for all things Razorback. So, whatever questions you have about Arkansas sports, you know, whether even even if it's not the Razorbacks, just hit us up with question questions, and we'll we'll try to answer them for you. So, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>